FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 383 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason. Everyone dies in 1991, Venable. <laughs> I'm joined by a special co-host, We Play at Two Podcast, uh, <laughs> Grant Richter. Hey, Grant. Hey, Jason. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm quarantastic. <laughs> awesome. This is going to be our uh, our X-Men 91 bonus episode. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different for the podcast, The Ghost Nicked. Um, and this will not be like a continuous thing. We're not going to cover necessarily all these books as they go, except for where Wolverine shows up. But, you know, one to kind of tap into the zeitgeist. You know, Cameron and I just did X-Men number one from 91 and that first story arc. But that same month, like kind of all the X lines either either had something new or had something quote-unquote fresh <laughs> um kind of kind of a soft relaunch for all the lines and so i wanted to just take a little bit of extra time to kind of talk about the the other four books that kind of got either a new direction or a new creative team or both or or in the case of, of x-force just a brand new book uh, out of the ashes of new mutants um and had wanted to have grant come on and, and talk with that but before we jump into that, so we're going to cover Uncanny X-Men 281, X-Force number 1, X-Factor 71, and Excalibur 42. But, uh, Grant, I wanted to kind of just get some quick thoughts on um, X-Men, the first arc of X-Men that, that we talked about. I know you know, already tweeted some stuff, pretty interesting stuff at us about um, kind of some of the, the dialogue and stuff like, uh, um, oh gosh, I already forgot the... Not Cortez, um, <laughs> Delgado. Yeah, about yeah. how you know there are probably just some gaps and and paying attention and some some kind of extra uh, extra barbs in there. But I just wanted to kind of get why did you enjoy the arc? Uh, maybe some highlights in that the first X Men story for you. I I liked listening to you and Cameron talk about it more than I liked the story itself. Ah, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember being you know, super excited like everybody was for it and then being not excited when I read it just because it's kind of a mess. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's like not, you know, plot wise, it just, I don't know. It it just didn't feel it. When I think of like Claremont and Lee working together, I think of that three part story where they go off into Shi'ar space and fight the war scrawls and Magneto and rogue are doing their thing in the savage land. And that is like peak, Claremont and Lee to me, and this right. it just, in my opinion, personally, did not quite measure up. But. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, also, you know, I know that uh, uh, you're good friends with Magneto. I was, I was yeah. gonna maybe ask him a couple of questions about that first story. I'll go, I'll go get him. Hang on. Okay, thanks. Okay. You want to do this? Yes. All right, okay. That fool Cortez had the audacity. <laughs> <laughs> to tamper with the master of magnetism. And now, everything that happens in the next 10 years is not <laughs> my fault. Well, it's good. Yeah, you know, Magnino, I, um, 
First of all, Magnino is Nino, so thank you. But um, uh, you know, you're you're one of the the smartest, most handsome villains in, in '90s X-Men. How clearly? How did you let Cortez kind of pull the wool over your eyes? Uh, that that ponytail distracted me, <laughs> and I was just like, surely that cannot be your thing. But I I I I, I just don't know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, how do you feel like you were portrayed in that story? Do you feel like it was a a, a fair portrayal? I think maybe they kind of edged you back towards the villain, but I, st- I feel like you still came out kind of okay. You know, you're a pretty complicated dude. No one understands you but your magnetism. Um, but how did you feel about You feel like you got a fair shake? I feel that my casual wear clearly stood out. <laughs> And that, is, that is all that a master of magnetism can really <laughs> ask for at any time. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, I think our listeners just want to know, um, Magneto, what's your favorite cocktail? Uh, the master of magnetism <laughs> has long since given up alcohol. It okay. uh, affects the it, it's just too hard on the Earth's crust. Okay, makes sense. All right. <laughs> well, any closing comments for the podcast, Magneto? You fools will regret the day. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I must go. Okay. Sayonara. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. So, Thanks, so, buddy. Thanks. Yeah. So, Grant, is he a, is he a, a regular house guest? <laughs> he, man, he leaves, his, he leaves his bathrobes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's like bathrobes and cummerbunds all over the right? house. Yeah. Okay. Just, uh, <laughs> man, he's got some great hair. I'm hoping to you know, get yeah. some pointers on that. Yeah, I, I told my wife I would trade every empty follicle for a white hair. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very cool. Well, hey, Grant. Uh, hey. So let's uh let's talk some comics and uh so we're gonna do this pretty loose, listeners. Um, since Wolverine's not in any of these books, we're not gonna do any official snazzy synopsis, no claw ratings. Grant and I'm just gonna kind of have a really casual conversation about what we thought of the line of the X books cover dated October '91. If I remember, I re- researched this the other night and I forgot to write it down. I think they actually all came out in July, right? Is when those. Mm. Well, I don't know. I, I'm looking at Marvel Unlimited, and I know the dates are not always off, but yeah, X-Force okay. shows August, and then oh, okay. Excalibur and X-Factor and Uncanny are all October, but okay. I don't think that's right. No, I, October I, is a cover date, so August is probably yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. So uh, the first one we're going to talk about, and I actually had a little surprise in here that I forgot about. Um Uncanny X-Men 281, I forgot. So I remembered, like, you know, the switch of Portatio coming over, whilst Portatio coming over, and uh, Art Two Bears Inks. Like, I remembered that. Mm-hmm. I forgot that John Byrne helped, like, script, script yeah. this book. Like, I right. completely forgot about that. I'll be curious to see how far that goes before Lee and Portatio just completely Not take it over. Yeah, and then... Uh, doesn't Lobdell come in pretty quickly as well, or nicely as one of he, those guys? He come. Lobdell comes in when they introduce Hazard, I think, which is like okay. five, five, six months down the road. Okay, very cool. 
All right. So what you what do you think overall? I mean, um, this one had it didn't have four or five covers, no gatefold, but it did have a single wraparound cover. What do you think of this cover image? I think the cover's pretty cool, but the way that they divide the front cover and the back cover is it might as well almost be two completely separate images because <laughs> like like Jean's telekinesis that she's come that's coming out of her head cuts off right there and it doesn't really continue on the next page and then where her where her leg is and then Colossus's arm it just divides the image so cleanly right I mean it's it's still cool there's there's still two really cool separate images but they don't mesh well yeah. I don't think yeah. yeah that's true um all of them except for maybe Archangel have the classic Portatio yell yeah <laughs> where they where they yell with their chins um <laughs> yeah and Gene has uh, the foible of, of classic Portatio baby arms or baby doll arms. Um, but I think overall, I like it. I, I really, I think Colossus's pose is pretty striking. Um, I like that Archangel, even though he is clearly flying through a Sentinel, mm-hmm. looks like he's going the opposite direction and about to kick a Sentinel. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but um, I, I like that Colossus looks like he has about 23 ribs. Oh yeah, right, right. Those, those yeah. are few. Those are some. I don't know what that is. Lats? What are those? Those are huge. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think overall it's a pretty dynamic cover. I remember when this came out. You know, mm-hmm. a, a week or two after X Men, if I remember correctly, and just okay, like this. This cemented. Like, all right, X Men, X Men, X Men. From now on, like that's yep. this is what I'm doing. Um, For sure. So I will say, reading this again, because I haven't read this in a while, um, there are parts about it I still really like. I, mm-hmm. It's a little... I was trying to decide how I felt about the art overall, and I'm I'm not sure I really landed in any particular <laughs> place. Not, yeah. to, not to cough out. Like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. It's just kind of like, okay, it's super 90s, right? Like, yeah. you doing his thing is definitely a thing. Um, but what, I don't know, what, what are some things that, that jumped out about you on this one, some kind of overall feelings on it? Like, I like back to the cover, I really like Storm's hair because it kind of balances, it almost kind of homages her mohawk a little bit because her yeah. hairline is kind of high and it's, right. it's her hair's really big, super like 90s, you know, 80s metal. So that, but I don't know, I liked Portacio's work better on x-factor that arc where you know baby nathan gets sent off to the future and they have the dark riders and all that i don't know mm-hmm. i wonder if t bear was doing the inks on that too but i like um i like fitzroy i don't know why yes <laughs> i had i think maybe because his action figure was really cool where he had like okay. the clip-on crystal armor but yeah I, I oh I, that's right yeah but i i kind of like fitzroy i think he's neat um there were some plot elements that I had forgotten about that I don't remember if they ever get resolved. Like there's a comment where Shinobi Shaw, where they begin the, the upstarts, is talking to Fitzroy and, and thinking about how Fitzroy has like this massive grudge against Emma Frost. And I don't know if that ever got brought back up again. I I think that disappears. So this is one of those things that you have to wonder, especially with guys like Lee and Protatio, um, and seeing what they would eventually do with Image. Um, 
you, you wonder, these characters kind of get invented because they look cool and they give them some cool design and cool powers and then and they got to figure out what to do with them. And <laughs> and I think I think maybe there was there was a beat that they thought they were going to do with Fitzroy and then the idea of Bishop came along. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, let's make Fitzroy his nemesis. And so I think that Emma thing, because it kind of, depending on how you do the timeline and how long you say at this point, Fitzroy has been quote in our time, which of mm-hmm. course is not talked about at all in this issue. But um, it really doesn't make sense for him to have a huge grudge with Emma, like no. from the future. So it's got to be something now. Um, yeah. It almost it almost just feels like she's in his way, and I think you kind of have to write it off as, well, she's just one of the people in the way of him making his power play. Right. And maybe he just rubs her the wrong way because she's powerful or whatever. Like um, they imply that he's been here a long time. Like the the girl in the in the very Portacio armor that Fitzroy sends to assassinate Emma that fails. Like when Fitzroy shows up to rescue her, she's like worshiping him. It's like right. it's cultish, and the way that he murders the Hellions has kind of a cultish feel to it, where they're all arranged in a circle and all this stuff. So. It's implied he's been here a long time, but then in like three or four issues later, you reveal that you know Bishop's hot on his heels. So. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. it does. It, it does get a little confusing if, if you know what comes. Um, right. But, but I would say for a debut, uh, I mean, he comes in as a very powerful figure. Uh, he has a striking design. You know, '90s kind of the the dyed green fade on his hair. Um, you know, he was probably listening to Nine Inch Nails or you he know, was whatever. Absolutely listening to Nine Inch Nails, absolutely. <laughs> and, no, he, uh, was, he was really hardcore. He listened to Skinny Puppy. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, you know, I like like this the the tying the. So, because Shinobi's only been, we've only seen him a couple of times at this point. Yeah. And you know, the idea of setting him up is really powerful and kind of the upstart idea. I remember liking that a lot. I'm really interested to see if I enjoy its progression as much this time around. Um, But the idea that Fitzroy has like his own Sentinels also is kind of hard to jive with, with upcoming plot elements. I mean, I guess the idea would be that he has future tech. um, And so that's why the Sentinels are are quote unquote different or the X-Men don't recognize them. Um, so that's interesting. I think they were alluding to that when Shinobi Shaw, Shinobi Shaw says that Fitzroy's Sentinels are smaller. I think it's implying, you know, because as technology evolves, it gets more compact. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, um, some of the highlights of the art are like when we see Tarot's powers, mm-hmm. or Tarot, however you say that, depending on where you're from geographically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Carrot rhymes with carrot. Yep. Right. <laughs> uh, the, the Sentinels look pretty great. Um, yeah. I like Emma's kind of power boss suit that she wears. Um, uh, what page? It's like page nine of the digital copy where she's actually got like pants and stuff. And then she's still got her cape and she's got her uh, corset jobby, but it kind of covers up a little more skin. I think that that's a that's a tight look. I I really like it a lot too, and I like your interpretation that that was intentional. I thought it was just a miscolor, <laughs> but they oh, just forgot that to color the size. Um, <laughs> but no, I like because I do. I love when she's like in in pantsuits or 
Um, like her hotspot look, yeah. Yeah, right. We're still very much, I know how attractive I am, and I'm using my sexuality as a weapon, but it's not as much right. uh, fanboy right. fodder. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, right. It's not. It's look at me, but you know, don't necessarily look at my butt cheeks. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. That's a good look. Uh, so where do you where do you put this Jean Grey costume in the? I hate it. I absolutely. Hate <laughs> <Do you? laughs> okay. Um, it's not my favorite. Nothing says Supergirl like dark orange. <laughs> it, it, it's like she got decorated by the set designer for Three's Company. Just dark orange and. <laughs> blue and just uh, hate i hate this costume so much that's funny i know um, a lot of people kind of have oh, maybe that are slightly right. younger than me have nostalgia for it because of the cartoon but i think i kind of right. aged out of the cartoon by the time it came out so <laughs> i do like her hair being more freeform in this version of it yeah. i think later it gets really like compact and with just the ponytail um because because one of the cool things too is when she finally like asserts herself telepathically and telekinetically and, and you see kind of the burst of mental energy and her hair kind of lions out behind her mm-hmm. and that looks really cool um and everyone's like grasping their head ah and yeah. then you know um we get into the the 90s grit uh you, you alluded to earlier Fitzroy just kind of killing hellions left and right um and we even in the issue with the presumed death of gene um so it's just yeah. definitely a, a new a new era, a new more more actiony, violenty era. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I think overall I feel like it held up pretty well. Um the art is is dated more in some places than others, but I still enjoyed it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um now, uh so you read digitally um a Marvel Unlimited um right you know, I, had, I used to have the you know the hard cut co- i had i got it off the spinner rack back in the day right so yeah so the colors are a little more subdued in the print um and yeah this it's kind of a it makes it a little less flashy which kind of seems counterintuitive because i remember this being very um you know flashy dynamic art um but yeah I think I think overall I I enjoyed it. I did not like it probably as much as X Men, but it was pretty close. Yeah. Um, I I will say I mean I, I mentioned this when Cameron and I were talking. I mean, the part about this book that I love is that Storm is my uh, X Men leader of choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I really enjoyed. You know, I'm gonna enjoy seeing her kind of helm this team through the next you know several months. Um, Looking forward to that. And, you know, they pointed in lots of popular elements. There's Gateway, there's uh, Hellions, the Hellfire Club, Sentinels, uh, the uh, uh, Reavers at yes. the beginning. Um, I got to admit, the first time I read this and the Reavers got killed, I, was, I felt like I felt a little bit of joy because the, the Reavers are just so nasty <laughs> and just so vicious and mean. I'm like, oh, yeah, get them. Right. <laughs> That makes sense. Uh, you know, I enjoyed um, Iceman and Colossus, you know, trying to hold it together at the dinner party. Like, there's was, there was some nice moments there. Um, Although yeah. Iceman flirting with... Uh, with uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was creepy. I was like, dude, she's like 17, probably. She's, right? Yeah, no, dude. Mm-mm-mm. Well, you know... She's, like, she's she, Boom Boom's age. 
he was he, he was not out yet, so he was probably over flirtatious to be like, "Hey, I'm not gay." Yep. He was <laughs> um, using her as a mustache. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's not quite as gross, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, know, that's true. Then he's just awkward. <laughs> but I'm do- I'm doing guy things. See. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Want to watch the football? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I do think it's interesting. Um, because as we have, this is going to sound weird. Some people are going to probably be pretty pissy at me saying this, but it definitely feels like, okay, with the exception of like storm and gene, this is definitely like a secondary X team, um, compared to the, the adjective was title. And so it's kind of weird to think of uncanny as kind of being the other X-Men book. I know. Um, I remember feeling that way back in the day too. I'm like, you know, you took all, you took the hot characters plus Cyclops and Beast and put them on one team. <laughs> and Cyclops and Beast are only there to fit like the color aesthetic. Right. And and like really, Archangel was the only edgy character on on the gold team, and it was right. just felt weird. And, and it, it like, you know, I remember back in the day thinking, well, I'm not going to read this one as much because the characters aren't as cool. Yeah, that's what seventeen-year-old thought anyway. Right, no, that totally tracks. I think, yeah, it kind of wonders or makes you wonder then because it kind of makes the the hot kind of um, buzz around Bishop that much more important for this title because I think like everyone's scrambling to to love Bishop and get his first appearance and read that story kind of re-catapulted this title kind of back up to the same echelon as right. X-Men. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of track how that goes. Um, I'm really curious because I think Bishop gets really problematic in like oh uh, Messiah Complex era <laughs> where he yeah. where they just straight up uh, assassinate his character. Um, yeah. And then, you know, late after that, he's kind of just almost, well, here's a dude who does some stuff. But mm-hmm. I remember being really, really invested, like, in his debut in that first storyline and, yeah, and trying too. to figure out, like, oh, what are the clues? And, and, like, that whole story, like, I, that's the only time I ever wrote a letter to comics <laughs> was wow. was my theories about, you know, who the, um, the uh, like, what was it? When they call him the well the traitor um, from yeah. the future and stuff and and about how Bishop did stuff and I, I, it was like a three page letter that I wrote and you know never never got it printed but you know yeah I mean it's really in really the worst resolution that. to that the worst resolution <laughs> to that so stupid it just that's the, that's a perfect example of meandering it so long that it just loses all traction. Well, and I can always see, you know, how they would Claremont it, you know, how, how Chris would, you know, develop a plot thread, let it lay, you know, like you said on your coverage of the of the documentary, but Wheezy would come along and say, or, or and say, hey, you got to pick this up and run with it now, or Nascenti. Um, and I think if they'd done that with, with the trader, it would have been good. And I like the idea of Onslaught, but I think just if they'd given it to Nicieza to handle it, or if they'd given it to Mark Wade, like they did part of it. <laughs> To develop right. it, it would have been good, but man, Lobdell is just not <laughs> to dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if I have as as fond of a reaction reading that the bishop story this time around because I've not read that in a solid fifteen years. Um, yeah. So that'll be interesting. All right. Well, so overall, Uncanny two eighty one. Um, did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I, I can say that about all of these. I enjoyed them a lot more than I thought I did, except for X Factor, which I knew I was going to enjoy. Right. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, and when, um, when we get when we get to X Force, I have more thoughts on Bishop, but I want to talk about Cable first. All right. Sounds good. So that's a good segue. So X Force number one. Um, mm. Man, I remember this. So we also have a wraparound cover by you know Liefeld, and this is the classic giant Cable um, uh-huh. and Feral front and center, and then the rest of the group kind of. Flanking definitely a focus on on Liefeld's characters and the other leftovers in the back. It's a co- it's a front cover made up of, of cables, shoulder pads, and Farrell's hair and boobs. Right. Yeah, and then Shatterstar gets like the the bulk of the back. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, remember, yeah. I was the most excited for this one out of all four of these back in the day. Okay. I, I was at just the right age to fall for Liefeld. Right. Cable came out when I was 15, and I really hated the art on the run of New Mutants before that, Brett Blevins. And this was so, like, over the top and dynamic. And, ah, and I, I still, like, to this day, really like Cable. I was so excited about this comic book <laughs> yeah yeah i ha- i still had so i was digging through my long boxes to get some of these out um i still <laughs> three copies of x-force number one poly back wow. with the cards the trading cards that i forgot that i just at one point just bought and shoved in my box um Oh, I and, forgot that they were bagged like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with the training cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at one point as a teenager, I made it my mission to get a – because you could see, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a different kind of, I guess, philosophies on comic books and training cards. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they hide them inside, and it's kind of pop – look, like you get home, you open the bag, you flip in the middle and see what cards you got. The X-Force one – it was bagged with the cards on the back bag, like on the back cover, facing mm-hmm. out. So you knew, like, okay, I'm buying this copy with these two trading cards. Mm-hmm. And and so with that in mind, I made it my mission to find all of the all of the cards because I wanted them. And then I also bought a copy that I could open and read because, you know, at that point I thought, well, if I get all of these with all the cards, then one day I'll use them to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we thought back in 1991. Right. Before we realized that there were 30 million X-Force number ones that would someday be in the 50 cent bin, right next to Turok Dinosaur Hunter. <laughs> I, blame, I blame Wizard Magazine for that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, X Force. I mean, it's pretty much Liefeld uh, fulfilling his dream, mm-hmm. taking what he started in New Mutants and saying, "This is what I really want to do. Right. Let's have a new book, a new launch. Let's be hot stuff, and let me do it." And man, does he! Um, <laughs> mm. I mean, 
I don't I don't really know. I mean, this book is so life filled. I know uh even at this point Nicieza is already getting um a a co scripting or at least dialogue assist in the yeah. credits. Um but this is very much like Liefeld is steering the ship. And, you know, and for better and for worse, right? I mean, I'm not a Liefeld hater. I'm not a... I find it harder harder to jump too much to his defense. Um, right. With as his, He's kind of made an about face on social media mm-hmm. <laughs> over the last year, which I don't... I don't know. I... So when I first discovered him on Twitter, which he'd probably been on there a while, but I first found him, he's like, okay, like he's pretty he seems much like a good dude. He's yeah. self-aware, and he's like, he's a really like nice ambassador for comics, and, and just seems to kind of be excited about everything. And I think, I think, unfortunately, and I'm painting with a broad brush here, okay, and. and and so I'm including some people who are like me and some people who aren't. But I think, unfortunately, um, as comic fans who maybe have had more sensibilities like you and me, uh, with a little more progressive, um, we don't mind seeing, you know, we, we embrace the social aspects and the commentary aspects and, right. and want good writing and, and maybe have... We don't, we don't want just boobs and butts and guns. Right, yeah. right. We, we maybe like that when we were kids, but we grew up a little bit. And, right. you know, I think, I think unfortunately, some of us, like you, me, John Wilson, Al Sedano, have kind of grown up but can still be like, okay... There was a place for some of this, or at least we understand it without hating it. Right. Um, I think, unfortunately, a, a lot of fans really sometimes earned, because sometimes he would start it, and sometimes unearned, but he got just... I think I think he was so lambasted and attacked and hated that it kind of forced him to say, okay, well, who who still likes me? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, these these guys. Well, okay, sure. I'll I'll embrace it. And so it right. made him kind of take a hard turn, almost into a mm-hmm. comics gator, which I I think is different than maybe he was a few years ago. I think he's got tired of of defending himself. And yeah, I, I, I think excuse it. That doesn't excuse it at all. But I just I think he was just looking for a safe spot, and that's where he found one. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's when when EVS went off and did his own thing. And kind of became the poster boy for Comicsgate, and they were all, they were all still big Liefeld fans. He's like, well, at least these guys like me, and, right? <laughs> yeah, and this is what I do. I'm, you know, plus, I don't know. Even before that, I'd I'd heard stories about how he went off on the fact that uh, uh, Peter David had uh, Shatterstar come out as being polysexual, and oh, and right. you know, that, yeah, that might not be the right word for it. I apologize to anyone out there that that that, but yeah. He's not a straight dude. Um, right. And apparently Liefeld had a hissy fit about that. And I'm like, oh, uh, well, okay. That makes sense. All right. Well, either way, uh, this book is so 90s it hurts. Yeah. Um, but you know what I, I found in this read through? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe maybe it's Liefeld, maybe it's nice. He has a maybe it's a combination it was denser than I thought it would yeah, be. I agree. Um, like plot wise, there's actually like stuff going on. Like mm-hmm. when you compare, I don't know if 
I, how many listeners listen to, to John on uh, all the pouches. But one of the things he often talks about is kind of that 90s, um, just how fast comics go, because they can be pretty thin. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's all art, no plot. Um, and I think when you, when you hear him talk about Youngblood, that's especially the case. Like, it's just fight, fight, fight. Okay, uh, here's some some plot to kind of hold it up. Almost... You know, almost a porno level plot that we need something to to, <laughs> to make a three story, but it's really about the other stuff. And for right. him, it was about the art. Um, but there's actually quite a bit going on in this book. Um, it really is because I remember some bits of this, and in my head, they are a part of like those last three issues of New Mutants, which were. You know the the new mutant stuff was denser because it was it was wheezy and it was Nicieza still writing, but yeah, I was like there was just I was like oh I didn't realize that was here that's that's pretty you know memorable, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we, don't get me wrong, we have the big guns and we have the fights mm-hmm. and we have the the random cat butt shots, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which okay, um, mm-hmm. now. I yep, do like her des- yeah. I do <laughs> like her design with kind of the bride of Frankenstein hair color. I think that part looks cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have the whole thing with like, you know, we meet um, some more kind of bench players for the MLF. Um, I will say right out of the gate, Liefeld's penchants for kind of uber violence. He doesn't. He can't draw as much blood as he does when he gets to image, but like we right. cut off Reaper's hand, we right. break a dude's jaw, um, you know, and a pretty some pretty brutal, gruesome scenes. Um, but you know, we have strife. I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since I read the end of New Mutants. I kind of got ahead of myself and read that way before I read this. Um, but I think this is the first time that Cable gets a name besides Cable. Um, yep. Don't get his full name, but we get Nathan, so okay. we're starting to see the idea of, oh, Nathan, what other Nathans do I know? Hmm, oh, interesting. Right. Um, still no allusion to time travel or anything like that yet, mm-hmm. but we, we do get his Nathan. Um, and as okay. 90s... Oh, I, I got yeah, to interject on that one, too. Yes. Yeah. I, went, I went through like a big cable phase a couple years ago, and I was rereading this and all the stuff, especially the stuff that um, Nicieza wrote, and when they first introduced Cable's name as, as Nathan, and right after this, they introduced Bishop, who, which eventually Bishop was revealed to be his last name, I was convinced that, that Cable's name was Nathan Cable. I thought Cable was just his <laughs> last name. In fact, that was my assumption from like minute one. Here's this guy. He's got a two-syllable word that doesn't have anything to do with with who he is or what he can do. It's got to just be his last name. And so I hit Nis- I hit Nisieza up on Twitter. I'm like, okay, here's my theory. Here was my theory when I was a kid, and I know that you took it in a different direction. But can you confirm? He's like, I am not allowed to say because <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about any pre- any '90s work I did. Most of which may which may just be a cop out. He might have just been like having the you know taking the piss out of me. Right. But, I kind of believe it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I I wish kind of that he was just Nathan Cable. Yeah. Um, Sounds I mean, Nathan, this... Nathan Dayspring, Asani, Ascani. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nathan Christopher Dayspring, Ascani Sun, Summers, Winter Fall. Um, God. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, 
<laughs> so we get that. Um, for all the fun you can poke at it, that first, uh, I guess, flip on the side, double page spread to strife, is pretty amazing. Um, it's it's over the top completely. Yeah. But you know what also that I does like? look really good. It, Strife looks really cool there, I gotta admit. Yeah, he does. He does. Um another thing I forgot about that I actually like, and I guess I forgot in the re- some of the recent X Force art in the new book homages this and I forgot that that's where it came from, but all the like just random kind of eighties sci fi multicolored like squares and rectangles. Yeah. In the background, it looks really cool. Like it's it a good look. look. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, um, what I think is funny is, is that he does this like 16 times in here. He does the patented Liefeld uh, crotch jump, where you oh. jump into action, junk first. <laughs> it's like on this. It's on the splash page. It's that's how. Uh, Wild side leaps into action. There's just right. so many of them. It's really funny. I, I love, yeah. I love the cross jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some martial artist wants to correct me, but I feel like jumping, trying to kick everything all the time is probably not the best move. Um, <laughs> it's how I played Mortal Kombat back in the day. Right. I suck at this game, so I'm just going to jump around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know that, that page of Feral jumping at Wildside? Which, how Liefeld is Wildside. He's got Wolverine hair, which Liefeld loves. Um, he's got circles around the eyes. Um, he's got shoulder pads. He's got typical... He's got the um, two-toned leggings. Yeah, the two-toned leggings. Um, metal ankle and wrist bracelets. He's even got a little tiny shoulder cape <laughs> for yeah, some he's reason. Got, he's got the cape that like does the the thing that looks like his hair when he flies yeah. around. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yep, he is the most lifeful. Wow. <laughs> he's got a hundred teeth. He's got uh-huh. fangs. Yeah, yeah. He is a. Uh, when he smiles, he makes a V. That was mm-hmm. that's that's when you knew life would really like the characters when they smiled in a V. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, you know, Zero looks pretty good. That's an example of Liefeld's um, art really working. Um, you know, it's hit and miss in this particular issue, I think, because he did so many pages. Yeah. But, you know, I'm... It's fun. It it's, is. It, it is it's fun. The his qualities that, you know, we don't need to talk about because anybody with eyes has already made these comments. But Right. It, it doesn't detract from the fact that this is a fun book. And I, a lot of it that is. may have to do with life of Nicias' dialogue, which is just an endless string of dad jokes. <laughs> Especially when the feral and wild side are fighting. It's just oh, it's like they're quipping yeah. dad jokes back at each other. All right. Dad jokes are Schwarzenegger jokes. Take your, take your pick. Um, right. Yeah. Ooh, promises, promises must be my animal magnetism. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. <laughs> Kenny cats perfectly prepared to fight, huh? Oh, so bad. Oh. Let's make you hack up a fur ball. What do you say? What do you What's say? <laughs> What's the matter? Cat's got your tongue? Yeah. Ah, yeah, she does. Yeah, she does. 
<laughs> yeah, Farrell's kind of icky. Yeah, she is. Farrell's gross. <laughs> she, like, she threatens to rip out Boom Boom's tongue at, right. on the splash page. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I'm not surprised that she took a villain turn real quick. But, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we have the, uh, towards the end of the book, we have the page, or uh, where is it? No, it's right in the middle um, of GW Bridge with his pants that are really, really, really tight in the crotch and look super yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> You know, I think maybe one of my favorite parts about this issue is it's all life field detail, but the art is pretty detailed. But then you have these ambulances and helicopters that are just like squares or circles. <laughs> it's like the um the panel that shows X Force's ship taking off from the base with the fushoom in the background. <laughs> it looks like it's a spaceship made of like pantyhose eggs and toilet paper rolls. <laughs> In or all cables guns. <laughs> exactly. He just took all his like ammo cylinders and stuck them there. Right. Right. Oh, I'm done with this one. Add it to the ship. <laughs> yep. There's a, there's one panel and it's it's something he's done before Liefeld back in New Mutants that drives me crazy. It's um it's when he's having his little flashback of him and Tyler and Cable's sitting there holding his gun and Tyler's doing like a Liefeld lunge. And Cable just looks like he's sitting down, shooting his gun. But I know that it's him, like, with his legs bent. But, you know, wouldn't you leaning back and bending your legs while shooting a big gun knock you on your ass? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh, man. Yeah. And he's, like, really... Like, his right leg is atrophied and pigeon-toned. But, yeah, yeah you know, what are you, you going to do? So, maybe this is not the right place to ask this question, but don't they eventually retcon that Tyler is really his son, or am I just mixing that up? No, it's Tyler's his son, Tyler is also Tolliver, and then Tyler becomes a a supervillain later in Cable, whose name, I want to say Genesis, yeah, is Genesis, he wears like an Apocalypse knockoff armor. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, GW Bridges' um, body. He's got some monster thighs. Yep. That was the what? action figure that was always at the store. Oh yeah, poor guy. Poor, poor Bridge. He was always a peg warmer. <laughs> always on the end cap. <laughs> yeah, I like the uh, I like the sunspot Gideon stuff. I thought that worked mm-hmm. pretty well. Um. Yeah, gosh, there's there's a lot in here to um, unpack. I love <laughs> one of my favorite and and sincerely favorite things about Liefeld art. Uh, when you see that scene you just talked about with the flashback, and you see Cannonball with the jacket that yeah. is maybe three inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It is dumb as hell, but I love it. I don't know. Okay. There's just something about. Cannonball is all Here's leg and no torso. Here. Yeah, right. There's no chest mm-hmm. and, and no stomach at all. Um, you know, which is why he kept, kept his figure so well. He couldn't eat anything. <laughs> I do really like the cost. I've always liked the costume that he designed for Sunspot, though, with the two-tone leggings and then the red jacket and the Ninja yeah. Turtle mask. That's cool. I, I don't care. That's, that looks rad. It does. It does. That's one of the, one of the times where his design sense really works. Um, 
Yeah, I, I really, I mean, I, I just made fun of the jacket, but I kind of like the purple and white on Cannonball a little bit. Yeah, um, it's a, yeah, I, I think it's a good design. It's just that one shot, it's not rendered particularly well. Right. And I forgot about, okay, so you just talked about being, I, I'm going to uh, assume from your comments a few minutes ago that you're a cable expert. <laughs> so so don't, don't let me down. Um, okay. Is this the first time? I have, I have gaps, but yeah. <laughs> is this the first time we see his telekinesis? Yes. Okay. Yep. So it's new to the reader and to the team. Yes. Um, okay, perfect. I, that's what I thought. So. Um, and I didn't know at the time if it was supposed to be telekinesis or magnet powers because those are all oh. those tools he's playing with. And I was like, well, that's let's true. see where they're going with this. Okay. And he has a bionic arm, so you could be like, okay, is it just. Some mm-hmm. kind of computer, like like he actually has a magnet in his arm or something. Yeah, that was uh, kind of my thing. I was like, maybe he's got like you know artificial electronic powers or something. But okay, I, I didn't know where they were going with cable, and I sometimes I like where they went with them, and sometimes I don't. But. Right, right. Um, I think that's a very fair assessment. <laughs> um, you know, again, a hint that he and Domino have a past. Uh, of course, we'll find more about that in the. Uh, the background literature at the back of the comic. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, Black Tom shows up full villain mode. I thought that was kind of crazy. That there's a corporate takeover and the lady, instead of like fighting it legally, just pulls in a, a mutant terrorist. Oh, everyone yeah. ransom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. like, Pretty good. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So Gideon's hair. Mm-hmm. He has, he's bald, mm-hmm. and he has the metal that goes into a pony, like the metal ponytail holder, so he has that one ponytail. Right. And then he also has tufts on the side, sometimes? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't know, I have a lot of words. It's like he's got a mullet, plus a top <laughs> knot, and no hair in between. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's... Because you never see, you never really see his hair from the back. Oh, it's like a, it's that's like, true. Yeah, it's like a fringe of hair that goes from like one ear to the other, and then the top knot and nothing in between. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, then we get to our data files at the end where we find out about uh, a little bit more about Deadpool. Um, I do not have those. <laughs> Oh, bummer. Yeah, so they're like data files. They're cable files. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a write-up about Deadpool. Kind of, kind of um, sets him up uh, to to be the merc with the mouth. Kind of his more sarcastic. And he saw a little bit of that in his first appearance. But you know, when he comes back, he's gonna be full on like chatterbox. Um, right. So it kind of sets that up. And then it talks about the wild pack. Um, there's one weird part in Shatterstar where he's like. Well, I've led Shatterstar to believe we're going to help him in his mission, and we will. But his world doesn't really need us right now. I can wait. Right. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, and then, you know, it talks about the Wild Pack with um, uh, how Bridge was a part of that. So, so it really makes you feel like the idea of time travel. I know they said Nathan, so there's got to be that germ of a scene but it gives you the idea that this version of Cable has been in our timeline for a long time. Yes. Um, so. And they yeah. do. They do eventually establish that. Like he. Right. He's. It's, he's eventually established as 
showing up before Xavier founded the X-Men. Okay. All right. And he used like his future technology to help build, you know, all the Xavier stuff like Cerebro and all that. But I don't think that's ever acknowledged later. It's just in like one kind of offhanded thing. Gotcha. Okay. Very good. Oh, I'm all right, so before anyone tweets or emails in anger, I was wrong. Uh, X-Force came out a couple of months before all these other books. Um, so I think and August is the right date for the other books. Uh, for Uncanny, X-Factor, Excalibur, and X-Men, X-Force actually did come out in June. Right. So, okay. Yeah, I, remember right. Going, I remember starting back to school my senior year and go, which cover of X-Men did you get? And I'm like, oh, I got right. the crap. I got the crappy one with Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We well, want to jump over to X Factor. Let's. All right. So probably objectively the best book of the bunch. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I I really like Excalibur too, but yeah, oh. these, these last two I really enjoyed through my modern sensibilities more than the, the first two. Probably. That's true. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, my brain keeps forgetting Excalibur. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. So X Factor starts off a brand new team, brand new, not a brand new creative team. Peter David helped fill in the void on issue 70 to wrap up uh, Mirror Island. Um, but this is him really kicking off his run with Larry Stroman as the penciler of choice. Um, yeah, this cover, man. I remember this cover. It's cool. Vividly, uh, a, yeah. a redesign of Wolf's Bane, mm-hmm. uh, making her more werewolfy. Um, Polaris and Havoc both look rad. Um, Guido is fine, and then Multiple Man, you know, just buffing himself with knuckles to to make him multiply is. And you got the action lines in the back. It's just it's a really nice cover. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I love Larry Stroman's art. I. I fell in love with Larry Stroman when he was doing Alien Legion back in the late '80s for Epic. Oh. It's kind of like yes, like mis, like the misfit squad of this like cosmic police force. It is cool. It's oh, it's, it's even it. it's it's even better than this. It's it's really okay. really good. Um, but yeah, this I I love Stroman's art, and he he actually founded an art studio in Atlanta, and I was living in a suburb of Atlanta at the time, back when I had like these baseless dreams of becoming a comic book artist, and I had like this five minute fantasy of going to work for Larry Stroman, and then college <laughs> cured me of that delusion. <laughs> like, oh, I actually suck. I'm a I'm a Liefeld knockoff, but, um, but yeah, I really really like Larry Stroman. Yeah, yeah, some pretty, some pretty great art in this issue. Um, so we basically just, I mean, this book is really about just bringing the new team together. Um, someone has hired uh, multiple man Guido and Polaris to form a new X Factor team, which is basically it's described when uh, Xavier and Cyclops show up as kind of a mutant strike force for the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pretty much just a more hero-filled version of Freedom Force, I guess, but using the X-Factor name, because I guess it had a more positive spin. Um, Yeah, so we see them, we see Polaris just wrecked about how she's going to react to Havoc if he accepts the position. Um, But that didn't play too bad. I mean, it it felt like it was pretty pretty fitting with their relationship without making... I thought like they handled it in a way that Polaris is like, oh, I'm kind of worried about this, but not in just a, oh, I'm a girl kind of way. Like, it just felt 
real. So right. I, I appreciated that. Um, then we go into Genosha, where we left uh, Havoc and Wolf's Bane, and mm-hmm. Cooper's there trying to recruit them. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that first shot of Wolf's Bane is awesome. Yes, where, she, where she's jumping out to push Alex out of the way of a girder or something. Yeah, that that looks really, really cool. Exactly. The shadows on her face and you know, Liefeld hair, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks uh, pretty great. And yep. you know, it's kind of a hard sell for Havoc, but Professor X and Cyclops in his last appearance of his X Factor costume come in mm-hmm. to to seal the deal. So Havoc reluctantly agrees. And, and I mean, really, there's it's a lot of talking in this book, which is what Peter David does. Um, yeah. uh, and we find out that Quicksilver might be dying, and there's this jar of mayonnaise that goes through like the whole issue uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that no one can open because multiple men put some kind of like gear in it, but then he's assassinated and falls out the window. So another another cliffhanger death uh, mm-hmm. for 1991. Um, but yeah, I thought this was really fun. Yeah, it looks really great. I love the in the kind of opening scene where um, where multiple men and Guido or Lorna are hanging out at that place, and you have panels where it's just Lorna's hair just fills the whole panel, and just looks just stunning. It's just so like such an interpretive style, and I just don't have the words. Well, yeah. So one of the things I love about Strowman is his choices of when and when not to use line work. Mm-hmm. Um, so when his, when his spaces feel more flat and when they feel more detailed and almost, there's almost like an emotional quality to that. That yeah. is, it's gotta be really, really intentional and it works really well. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it's not, it's definitely not a, a realist, like a hyper realistic style. It's a very stylized art. But yeah. it, it works really well. And I think I think there's a particular in a different way than you would normally say it, there's a particularly nineties quality to it. Mm-hmm. But more of like an art house kind of nineties quality. Um Exactly. Like you might see like I don't know, like what what some artists were doing at that time or, you know, like album art or something like that. Um Yeah, I don't know. It it, it looks really good. Uh, Peter David, you know, by this point is pretty established, has found kind of his his style and his footing. And I mean, this is very much his banter. Yeah, yeah, this is very much him taking this book over and saying, this is what we're going to do here. And he does it for a long time. Um, (laughs) And, you know, so much so that pretty much every time, every so often, you know, it'll get canceled or moved on and they'll, they'll come back to it and say hey Peter David do another volume of X Factor for us alright here you yeah. go <laughs> I love it when a writer falls in love with a character that they didn't create and that just becomes their go to like like uh, uh, Nicieza with Cable and then uh, like Peter David with Multiple Man like something about Multiple Man just appealed to David on some on some level and it's just become his his thing and it's 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 neat yeah yeah, it's really cool. I had multiple man's hair in high school, by the way. Uh-oh, wait, let's see. What's he rocking here? Oh, Please. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the the multi, the shaved on the side and the multi-tiered hair. I was like, yeah, that was, that was my hair. Nice, yeah. nice. 
Very cool. All right, well, any other comments on X Factor? Mm, nope. Uh, Peter David is not my favorite writer ever, but I really like the the art in it. Yeah, you know, I I I will say the same thing about Peter David that I will have probably said a hundred times by now, and so. I should say, I, I should say he's sorry. not my favorite 90s writer. I'm sorry. Let, let me. Let yeah. Me oh, no, that's that. clear. Yeah. No, I think, I think sometimes he really, really works. I think sometimes there's there's a trying too hard factor <laughs> to some of his cleverness that that just seems a little bit too transparent to me. Yeah. <laughs> and and that may not be fair at all. And so I, I try not to hold that too much against him but sometimes it just feels like okay that part was really clever organically but this part felt a little like right. look how clever i am um i think I the look- thing that kind of turned me off to him in the 90s is the the issue that everybody likes where they go see doc samson for therapy and all the male characters know what their problem is the and the two female characters don't know what their problem is and they're all related to i hope boys like me oh yeah because yeah, Wolf Spain's all that. wrapped up in the fact that she's, you know, been genetically programmed to have a crush on Alex, and and Polaris is like, I think I'm fat. So I don't know if that was, I know I never know if that's Peter David kind of poking fun at how women are portrayed in other media, or him just not being very cognizant of the fact that he did that <laughs> on accident. Right. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um. But I like his yeah. I like his two thousand stuff a, a whole lot. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm really I'm really excited to get back into this book. I've not I don't know if I've ever read this run all the way through. So it'll be it'll be fun to to keep going on X Factor. Um, well, I hope I hope Dan and Georgie really do decide to uh, do X Factor oh, on their show. Oh, they are. Yeah. So yeah. as a plug, um, I'm actually going to come on and do a very detailed. Uh, review of this book um, on an upcoming episode if, if the schedule works out. Yeah, so, yeah that'd be really fun. Um, I'm gonna be on there too, but I don't know what we're gonna talk about yet. Oh, <laughs> well, probably X or probably X Factor 72. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I have no idea. But I'm, that's awesome. They're they're fun to to visit. They with. Are. Yeah, I enjoy them quite a bit. Yeah. Well, speaking of Excalibros, um, hey. a book that they're probably anxious to get to but have a ways to go mm-hmm. is Excalibur number 42, featuring the return of Alan Davis. Hey. And you know, I think the thing that stuck out most about this book, because I've never read this before. This is my first really? time reading it. Yeah. Um, I just didn't, for whatever reason, I felt like as a teenager, Excalibur was not for me. And maybe it wasn't, but it's definitely for me more now. Um yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, I I flipped through this, and at first I was like, oh, only Alan Davis came back, right? Because there's a lot of words. Are we sure Claremont's not in here? <laughs> but but it's not a bad way. Like, it, no. works, it works really well. It's really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's genuinely funny in places. The parts of the cutesy actually kind of work. Yes. Um, you know, the, the hob-boiled Henry, you know, with the kind of the Looney Tunes baby talk. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the whole issue, right? It's just a few pages, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> and, the, and when they're 
trying to cook the egg and they boil it and it jumps out of the pan like yow hot 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 <laughs> like bounces uh-huh. around the room and they all get this terrified look on their face that their egg is talking to them <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know and Alan Davis returning to the um gate crasher and the tech 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 net tech net yeah mm-hmm. um and the new characters he introduces like it's just it's a really really fun issue um what are some of your highlights on this one I, you know, like, like you said, the, the humor in this really, really works. And, you know, Dan and Georgie have said on their show that, you know, when people think of the classic Excalibur, they think of the Claremont issues because of, you know, like the cross time cape and all this. But this is really the pinnacle of this Excalibur series for me because Alan Davis is so organically what I think of as Britishly funny. It's like deadpan, but really bizarre at the same time. And I felt like Claremont was trying really hard to do that (laughs) with his run and just missing constantly. Claremont is not funny. Claremont can be weird, but he's just not funny. This is really funny. And I'm not a person who really likes humor that much. I don't like to watch comedies and a lot of books that were, you know, like the Justice League International completely misses for me because I don't appreciate humor in comics. This I really appreciate because it's just so it's it just flows so naturally, and it's just there's a lot of Hitchhiker's Guide in this, like with yeah. the, the yeah. guys that show up, um, the little guy with the bowler hat and the tiny Hitler mustache and the and the in uh, his umbrella, and then his his uh, companion that's supposed to be the fix it up person. There's just they're so. Yeah, there's that's so Hitchhiker's Guide in that in that feel. You're like, oh, we're the cosmic, you know, repair people and insurance people. I'm like, okay, cool. There's just something really neat about it. Yeah, and then widgets made out of garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. yep. And that's fun. And then when there's in some classic hero stuff, because that page where Phoenix finally evokes her power and that team yeah. shot of Excalibur is just classic, like Alan Davis awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Um so this book kind of has it all, and it's even got a you know a tie-in to to previous stories of the introduction of Kai Lun and his bad one-liners, yeah, and he, like, steals out of like action movies, mm-hmm. but it's very specific because he's like, "Go ahead, make my day," and then right into Looney Tunes. Like, that, that's, that, all that's all, folks. All yeah, right? <laughs> it's like okay, this is either gonna be really annoying or really great, and I'm I'm curious to see how it goes. <laughs> um. I remember liking his character back in the day. Of course, I was again probably seventeen or eighteen. So, but I, I remember thinking he was pretty cool at the time. Um, yeah, and just I, I like the fact that he went and picked up all the Claremont's loose plot threads and just uh, deals with them all. Right. So yeah. I like a dangling plot thread to a certain point until people have forgotten about it. Then it makes me irritated. But I like that Davis is like, okay, look, we got like his, his whole, his whole run seems like a mission to pick up and fix loose plot threads. Right. Yeah. But if this book is any indication of how that's going to go, I'm excited to see his interpretation of said plot threads. Cause I, I really enjoyed his character work. Um, you know, for this being his first kind of like long-term writing gig, um, he seems to have a pretty good handle on the craft. Um, right. Well, he did. He he did the Captain Britain solo stuff. Oh, he did. Okay, I didn't know that. Back in the early, yeah, I didn't know until recently either. They, they 
and I tracked them down on you know Marvel uh, yeah Marvel Unlimited. They're really good. They're 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 very British. Um, you know, and I I really like them. Awesome. I may have to check those out. Um, they're 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 weird. They're super weird, but you know I I like that about them. It's it's almost kind of it's like if Vertigo Books had a really brightly colored superhero as the main character who okay. doesn't always know how, know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, very cool. But yeah, no, I, 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 this is of this group that we just talked about. I think this is probably the one I enjoyed the most. Yeah. Um, I just it was it was very charming, mm-hmm. very but still had the team doing like team stuff, so it wasn't. I don't know. It just it had a really nice balance of, of character work, action, humor, um, you know, pre- portents of things to come. Like it just it kind of ha- has a little bit of everything. So I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I sh- I will say he handles Megan a whole lot better than Claremont did too. She's not a plot device to create friction between Nightcrawler and Captain Britain. Okay. Very yep. good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Looking forward to that. All right. Anything else you want to say about any of these? Um, no, but I am. Are you going to be like posting your thoughts on Twitter about them as you do your read through? Yes. Yes, um, I will. For I'm sure. looking. I'm looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Um, so X Force, I've read up to a certain point. Um, I think I bailed on that book as a kid somewhere in the 30s. Uh, so I, I made it that far. Um, Uncanny, I've, I mean, I've read the whole thing. I've read mm-hmm. all that, so that I'll be revisiting. X Factor, I was hit and miss. Yeah. Um, and then the Excalibur, this this point will be brand new for me. Mm-hmm. So I actually, really, honestly, uh, catching up when Excalibur started, and then kind of my own kind of flashback parallel reading has been the first time I've really given Excalibur a real shot, like a real, like, legit try. And I've really, for the most part, I mean, it has its ups and downs, <laughs> you know, especially, you know, between Alan Davis, it, the, it can go pretty low at some points. But, um, yeah, I, it's a very different book than I ever thought it was growing up. Yeah. I When I, as a kid, you know, reading Punisher and X-Men and Batman, I was like, oh, well, this just looks like a silly nonsense why do i want to spend my allowance on that um Mm -hmm. and you know some is my sensibilities are different some of it is i just didn't even really give it a fair shake like i didn't i i looked at covers or flipped through pages and i was like no not for me and had i actually read it maybe i would have felt a little differently but i've definitely definitely looking forward especially picking up back up at this point when davis's return really looking forward to to following that along. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think Dan and George just need to skip to this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> I need to skip all that middle part with, uh, weird, bad art and <laughs> just come straight to this. Just, just do like I do. When you get to something that gets on your nerves, just skip over it and talk about the next thing. <laughs> right. You don't have to be a completist like the podcast that goes next. Cover, cover every little thing. <laughs> the, the podcast that takes one for the team. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> well, speaking of podcasts, Grant, why don't you talk a little bit about where people can hear you elsewhere? Okay. Um, you may have heard a rumor that I was doing a Magneto podcast. Please ignore that rumor. Uh, <laughs> 
I do have moods during the winter that I don't always follow up on, but you can follow me. You can listen to me on the Sentinel of Liberty, a Captain America podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at what would underscore cap do. Um, I'm coming back from a brief hiatus. I'll be releasing episode 16, part one in the next couple oh, of days. And part then, one. Yeah, because I'm just I'm so busy right now with everybody being home that I don't have the time to podcast much. But right. I want I don't want it to be like a month between episodes. So I'm going to do <laughs> part one is the, the main segment of the show. And then like another week later, I'll do like part two, which is the man out of time. Oh, nice. Stuff. Awesome. Um, but yeah, Where'd you decide to go on man out of time. Um, the everybody voted to keep going with the Nick Spencer stuff. So, awesome, awesome. Yeah. I was right. I was torn between that and the Rick Remender, but I'm gonna I'll just keep going on Nick Spencer for now. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear your take on that. You've read most of that before, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. So I yeah, I I think particularly it's it's unfortunately some some commentary that is not. Outlived its usefulness yet. <laughs> it's kind. Of, it's kind of sad how that how that works sometimes. That you would think, okay, well, this is what was wrong. So hopefully we would have fixed it by now, and we haven't really hit nope. a lot of this. We were so. we were just at the beginning of seeing how bad it was. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah I, was, I was I was listening to like the early, 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 early episodes of your show when you started talking about Uncanny Avengers. I'm like, I want to talk about Uncanny Avengers, but now I'll wait. <laughs> Oh man, there parts of that book are just mind-blowingly good. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's yeah. hard for me to read too much Remender all at once. Okay, he's so dark. Ooh, oh my! The thing is, Marvel stuff is dark. <laughs> his, oh yeah, uh, his image stuff gets pretty. Oh yeah, I've read Black Science. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I I struggled more with. Uh, he had a book called Low, which the concept was brilliant and the art was gorgeous. Um. It was by Greg Ticino, who did some of the um, – I think he did some of Uncanny X-Force, I think. Um, but, but the concept was like the sun overheats, and so we, we're all driven underwater. Yeah. Like, to make yeah, I sacks. read that. Yeah. yeah. And just it got – even though the, the point of the book is that there's this optimistic character that's like supposed to carry us forward, like it was just too much for me <laughs> at that. At the time that I was reading it, I was not – uh, ready to digest it. <laughs> um, One thing I love about Remender, though, in everything, almost everything he's done, there's a scene where a character has to run really hard from point A to point B through most of the book. He does that, <laughs> he does that in Black Science. He does that in Deadly Class. He does that in the um, the Rage of Ultron uh, graphic novel, which I love. Which my favorite yeah. thing of his is Rage of Ultron. Um, but yeah, gotta go from point A to point B now, and everybody's trying to stop me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, very cool. Well, um, yeah, definitely, listeners, if you haven't already, go listen to Grant on Sentinel of Liberty. It's a great show. Um, lots of fun talking about Captain America, and and Grant's sensibilities are, are right up my alley. So so go check it out. Um, Obviously, for the podcast that goes Nick, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast and all that fun stuff. And next episode, we'll get back to Wolverine, I promise. Um, but I just wanted to take a 
take a break um, and just talk, talk about some other things uh, with Grant here. So, Grant, thanks for indulging me. I, I enjoy it. being I enjoy being on the episode that doesn't go snicked. <laughs> right. It goes. Um, wait, wait. What is 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 the podcast that goes? Pupuea to die. Oh yeah, right. Or skick. That's the sound yeah. of the egg cracking. Uh, skick. Yep. <laughs> There you go. Awesome. Well, Grant, I will try to find an excuse uh, sooner than later to get you back on, and cause I yep. love love when you come on. And um, yeah, uh, just everyone stay safe out there, stay well, um, you know, do your part to make make the right decisions about what you need to do, and hopefully, we'll wash all... your hands, wash yes. your hands, wash your hands, do it for sure. So, and your claws. Wash your hands and your claws. And, and your shields. and yeah. yeah, and your hair. Your crazy hair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wash your top knot really good. Right. Yeah, get in. Look into you. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>